Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Welcome to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right, in this episode, we're going to review some current headlines. We're going to talk about the Bengals game against the Giants, and we're also going to welcome in Tom McLeavy for another McLeavy Minute. What's up, guys? This is Evan McPherson, and you're listening to the Unofficial Bengals Podcast. Cincinnati Bengals fans, I would like to introduce Frank LaPlaca. Another preseason game in the books. Doesn't matter if we win or lose, it's just fun to watch these games and the players get a chance to develop. We get a chance to look at a lot of players that we're not going to see during the regular season. So it's all a positive. And this game was exciting until the end. You know, we were, we were trying to prevent them from scoring to try to win the game. Yours truly had 50 bucks on it, so I was really hoping that we prevented the score. But, you know, whatever. It was still a lot of fun to catch a Bengals game. And remember, the regular season is less than 20 days away. All right, let's go over some headlines real quick before we get into the specifics of the game. So they announced the first cuts already. And unfortunately, Javon Hiley and Jake Sorensen were two of the cuts. And those were two of the guys that I thought were going to get cut because you saw how little they were used in the preseason games. I was also feeling like Scotty Washington wasn't really used that much, and he was on the way out. And unfortunately, Scotty was cut as well. Hoping that you guys stick with another team, and best of luck in your NFL careers. All right, let's go over some injuries. We were lucky in the first two preseason games to not have any really significant injuries. In this game, Lamont Galliard went out with a calf strain, and Khalid Kareem went out with a hamstring. So those are the two from this game in particular. And Cam Taylor-Britt had core surgery. I'm not sure exactly what muscle in his core, but that's going to keep him out for a little bit, and it might put a little bit of a dent into his rookie season. We'll see. You know, Hopefully he comes back in three, four weeks. If not, they're going to put him on the pup list, and we'll get reinforcements later in the season. So best of luck to you too, Cameron. All right, another big piece of news is the Thaddeus Moss block on Kayvon Thibodeau. And I'm in the New York market, and when they get something like this, they just go crazy. And that's all you've been hearing on talk radio is, was the hit clean? Was the hit dirty? Was it necessary? Et cetera, et cetera. And the way I feel about it is, yes, it was a legal block. But I don't like those blocks below the waist. I've I've been telling you guys that since I started this podcast. I really think they should be outlawed. Just no blocking below the waist. Because, you know, you're protecting the guys' heads. And a lot of guys are like, I'd rather have the concussion than rehab for a whole year with a knee injury. And just cutting someone at the knees, it's, it's just... Maybe this is strong, but I feel it's almost a little cowardly. I know when it when you're a smaller guy facing a bigger guy, that's kind of like your only option. But I think they should get that out of the game. It would prevent a lot of injuries. So Thad Moss is being pegged as a villain in the New York market. And ultimately, what I hope comes out of this is for next year that the competition committee says no more blocking below the waist. It's so dangerous and can be eliminated from the game without affecting the game too much. All right, in other news, the NFL Top 100 keeps coming out. They keep popping off 10 players here, 10 players there. At the time of this recording, they're down to now 20 left. And there were four Bengals who made it. They have Hendrickson at 78. They have Mixon at 38. And then the next two are the reason why I do not care about the Top 100. Yes, NFL Network, it's fun to watch the highlights of these guys and what everybody says about them, but you can't gauge it. They have Jamar Chase at 24. Joe Burrow at 21? Joe Burrow leading his team to the Super Bowl with basically no offensive line? The best quarterback in the second half of the season? 
I know the players vote on it, so it's considered the most reliable authority. But sometimes, you know, the younger players, they don't give the respect to. They, they kind of grandfather in the older guys. And two deserving players who really guided this team to the Super Bowl. An underdog team that wasn't supposed to make the Super Bowl. You have these two players that just were on top of the world, on top of the league. And they have them at 24 and 21. I'm not even watching this anymore. I have them both as top 10 players. Call me biased, but check out the tape. All right, and I watched a ton of NFL preseason games. Kind of drove me a little bit crazy. I don't know why I do this to myself. I probably watched about 12 games. And a couple of things that I noticed were there's such bad backup quarterback play in the NFL. It made me realize that there's only about 25, maybe 30 guys that can really play this position in the world. And we have one that's, in my opinion, a top three, top five. So it's amazing. That's why these top quarterbacks deserve that money because there are so few people on the planet that can do this. And I'm watching guys like Geno Smith, Josh Johnson, been around forever. These guys look bad. And, I mean, I could go down the list. Ian Book, the guys from the Panthers. I mean, Just the list goes on and on of how bad the backup quarterback play is. And it just shows how valuable it is to have a great one. And we're lucky to have a great one. And the other thing I noticed, there was a lot of false starts on the offensive line throughout the league. And I know you're not a starter, but you still have to just be aware of the snap count and be aware of the rules. That's kind of the easy part of the game is just not jumping too quick. The hard part of the game is blocking these elite athletes and these 300-pounders that can squat seven, 800 pounds and bench 500 pounds. That's the hard part of the game. Whether you're third string or fourth string, you're still in the NFL. You were that good and that elite to get to this level. No reason to be jumping off sides or false starting. Okay, a quick amendment to the headlines. This is news that just came out as I was editing and about to release the podcast. I'd like to announce that Jesse Bates has signed his one-year deal with the Bengals, so we're going to have that secondary intact, make another Super Bowl run. Jesse, welcome back. I know it's not an ideal situation for you financially, but you're going to get a shot to go back to the big game. And then as far as other player moves that just happened, they put Brandon Wilson on the PUP list, which was a great idea. As opposed to having to waive a player, they can put him on that list. He'll be there for at least six weeks, and hopefully he'll be healthy enough to return sometime mid-season, and we'll have our kick returner back, and you know him and Evans, we're going to have two monsters back there once Brandon Wilson's back in the fold. And they actually did waive Drew Plitt, so that experiment is over. He made a nice showing when he was here. Hopefully he sticks with another team. Good luck to you, Drew. Preseason Week 2, New York Giants 25, Cincinnati Bengals 22. All right, let's go over preseason game number two at the Giants. The Bengals were in my state of New Jersey, so it was exciting to have them right around the corner. I have to say the announcers knew the Bengals. They gave credit to the Bengals when they made good plays. They were pronouncing everyone's name pretty much correctly. They were calling him Trenton Irvin instead of Irwin. But for the most part, I think the announcers did a great job. So when I see this game... I still have two big concerns. I'm worried about backup quarterback, and I hope that doesn't have to be an issue this year. But Brandon Allen was having a rough time moving the ball against the second-team defense. You know, there was a couple times where we were in the red zone or very close to start the drive, and we couldn't do much with it. So I'm kind of concerned if we ever have to go to the backup quarterback in a crucial situation this year. And, of course, we're still looking for that fifth offensive lineman, which I'll go into later. 
But even beyond that, the backup offensive line, I talked about it in detail last episode. Again, don't want to get too negative, but we're going to have some problems if guys get injured on the offensive line. Just want to throw it out there one last time. Hopefully it's not an issue. Hopefully everyone stays healthy, or if these guys are pressed into duty, they step it up. All right, so we did have a loss, and I'm going to say the reasons for the loss were too many holding penalties. They're drive killers. And again, I really wish the NFL would make holding a five-yard penalty. It's just so rough. It just it destroys drives constantly. And I think we had at least four of them, maybe more in this game. So that was one of the reasons why we didn't score as many points as we should have, and drives were stalled. Our pass rush was minimal as well, especially with the, the second teamers, you know, the, our, basically our front line that was in the game. I was expecting to get a little more pressure out of them. So that enabled Davis Webb to have a bigger day than expected. That even enabled Daniel Jones to have a decent day. And then the other big thing was failure to score touchdowns after that 77-yard kick return and after the fumble recovery on their kickoff return. So two times where we should have scored touchdowns, we had to settle for field goals. And, you know, that's eight points off the board right there. We lost by three points, so you can do the math there. Those are the things that contributed to a loss. And also inefficient on third down. I think we ended up 4 for 13, which is not good. But by the fourth quarter, I think we were 1 for 11. And if you do that during the regular season, you're not going to be a winning team. So that's something that hurt us this game. I don't foresee it being a problem with Burrow, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Mixon, Hurst, and the whole crew there. All right, so let's quickly review the position groups and the performances of each one. So we're going to go to quarterback first, Brandon Allen. I know I got on him a little bit at the top of the show, but let's talk about some of the positives. I think his arm strength looked very good in this game, and he was very calm in the pocket. He does have that that calm veteran quarterback presence, which is good for a young team, and he did have a couple really good throws. I thought that fourth down loft to Trent Taylor when Taylor dove, that was a quality decision and a nice throw to kind of just loft it over and let your receiver chase it down in a big situation. And then Brandon Allen showed off the arm strength with a deep out to Taylor that's one of the hardest throws in the NFL. We've talked about it before, that those deep outs, because it's not just, in this case, it was 25 yards, where he let it go from the five-yard line, and it was caught at the 30-yard line. So you're already talking 25 yards there, just to get it there in front of a defender who's closing in on it, but also the distance to the sideline. So you figure about another 20 or so yards, because he threw it from right about the middle of the field. So you have you know, the 25 yards down, plus another 20 or so diagonally, You know, you're basically talking about a nice 40-yard throw on a rope to a guy who's covered. And then he had another really nice throw that showed some velocity. It was just a slant down the middle to Lassiter. And, you know, when I'm ranking his throws, those were three. If I had a video, I'd be pointing out what I liked about him, and I think you guys would agree. But those were three quality throws out of Brandon Allen. The things I wasn't crazy about, obviously not being able to punch it in those two times against a second-string defense, that's a concern. And there was a lot of checkdowns. You know, his yards per attempt were like 5.6 or so, and, and that's not what you want to see. You want to see guys in the sevens and higher there. Maybe he didn't have as much time to throw as he wanted, or he was just locking in on the short pass because it was just an easy completion. But in my opinion, too many checkdowns, not going downfield enough. And he's got the arm to do it, as proven by those by those throws that we mentioned earlier. And then two things that you never see out of Joe Burrow, and this is a sign of a leader And this is where I wanted Brandon Allen to be more of a leader. Putting receivers in harm's way, you very rarely see Burrow do that. How many times do you really see like Chase and Higgins or even Boyd get lit up? Because Burrow throws them open 
or if if he sees it's going to be a big pounding hit for no gain, he's not going to go to those guys. And a lot of times quarterbacks are in self-preservation mode. They're just like, oh, you know what? I'm going to get hit. Let me get rid of it. Oh, there's a guy. Dump it off to him. And in this case, there was a couple times that Brandon Allen did that. One time to Nick Eubanks where it was like Eubanks had a negative two-yard loss on it anyway. And it was just like don't even throw it to him because you're going to lose yards and you're exposing him to a big unnecessary hit. And that's something that you don't want to see out of your leaders. And Burrow really never does that. And then the other thing you never see Burrow do, I saw it once last year, is calling out teammates publicly. And Burrow never does it. He did it one time with Pirine last year when Pirine, I think, ran the wrong way on a route or something. Or I, I don't know. I think Pirine went left when it was supposed to be right. And Joe verbally, you could see him saying something to him on the field. But aside from that, I don't remember any examples of Burrow doing that in his career. Even when he's getting devastated by bad line play, he's not calling out those guys or getting mad. And Brandon Allen did that a couple times. He had a couple miscommunications with Mike Thomas, and you saw him verbally call out Mike Thomas. And I don't like that. That's like saying, oh, you know what? I look, I looked bad on that. And, you know, even if it's, even if it's the receiver's fault, those are selfish moves. Those are selfish moves to say, you know what, I'm going to let everyone know that that was my, wasn't my fault, that you made a mistake on the route. And just the same thing as throwing guys into danger. So two things that you want to see a leader be better at. And if anything, God forbid, happens to Joe Burrow and Brandon Allen comes in there, Brandon, you got to be a better leader than that. Don't call out your guys. Don't put them in harm's way like that. Jake Browning showed good poise. He bounced back from that big shot to the chin. I mean, helmet to helmet is bad enough, but when they get you underneath and you're taking a helmet to the chin, that's like a an uppercut from a heavyweight. And it was nice to see him bounce back from that. Showed a lot of toughness. And he was able to move the ball down the field, but he doesn't throw down the field that much. Again, a younger quarterback. There's chaos around you. He was checking down a little bit more than I would have liked as well. Not sure where he's going to fall in the mix here, but he's getting valuable experience, and we'll see if he ends up on the practice squad as the number three quarterback. All right, on to running back. Chris Evans, another good game. The kick return was deadly. He's really looking like he's taken to that role, and it just seems like every time he has the ball, he's very electric. He had some good runs, even without big holes. No major mistakes in blitz pickups. He's going to see the field a lot this year, and I'm looking forward to his contributions. I think he's an excellent player, and it's great to have basically four or five running backs that we can trust on this roster, very deep at that position. Travion Williams had that nice short yardage touchdown, finally got a few holes to run through this game, and you see why he's been on the roster for a couple years and deserves to be on the roster this year as well. Jacquez Patrick, another goal line touchdown. I'm telling you, he could be a specialist in that role. He had that big 17-yard run. I said this last year, too. I'm going to repeat myself, but he's got deceptive speed. You just think of him as like a bruising running back, but he's fast, just like P. Ryan. You know, both of those guys you think are bruisers. They run through a brick wall, short yardage guys, and they are, but both are pretty quick as well. On to wide receivers, Trent Taylor, another good game. What a diving catch on that fourth and one. And I said it last episode, please, let's use him in those four or five wide receiver sets. He's, he's a veteran. He runs great routes. He's got good hands, and he's small enough where you can he can kind of get lost underneath. I think Burrow can find him repeatedly this year, and he can have a very low-key good season for us. Kendrick Pryor had another good game. What I like about him is he plucks the ball out of the air, and that's a sign of a good wide receiver. You catch the ball with your hands, not wait until it gets to your body, not jump at the last second. A lot of guys do that on those, you know, they jump and catch it with their body. That's just not the way to play the position. You grab the ball with your hands, you pluck it out of the air, 
He had that big fourth down catch, highly contested, and he ripped it out of the hands of the defender. Just excellent play. He's going to find himself on the roster. And Trenton Irwin, who's one of my favorites and a, a guy that I want to see make the team as well, it's looking like him and Pryor are going to be battling for a roster spot. And whoever doesn't make it, I'm hoping that we can sneak onto the practice squad as well. Stanley Morgan continues to be our Matthew Slater, special teams ace. Doesn't matter what he does in the receiving game. Just keep doing what you're doing as a gunner and covering kicks and blocking, and you're going to have a role with this team for years, as I keep saying. Kwame Lasseter, seven catches. I didn't realize he had that many until I saw the stat sheet. I know a lot of them came late, but that's when you want them. You want it in the fourth quarter when you're driving to win the game, making some clutch plays. So he's going to find himself somewhere on the team as well, probably practice squad again. He had that rough drop on the two-point conversion. You don't like to see that, but no one's perfect. Not much action out of the tight ends. They weren't targeted too much. Moss had one nice catch. We talked about his block earlier. And I hope they get him more targets in the last game because I really want to see what he can do as a receiver because if Wilcox and Sample aren't ready to go, there's going to be an opportunity for another tight end to make the squad. Eubanks and Rigg were mostly used for blocking, and I think they did a decent job. So we'll see how the tight end position plays out. Again, not too many targets this game for the tight ends. On to the offensive line. Cordell Volson was the one to watch this game, and he had great push in the run game. He pancaked a linebacker. Now, what concerned me a little bit was his pass protection. He missed a blitz pickup on a defensive back. He missed a stunt. So, you know, when he when he knew who was in front of him and who to block, he was pretty solid. But these teams are in the NFL, especially in our division, are going to be playing a lot of games up front, sending a whole bunch of different people. And when that defensive back came in untouched and Volson's blocking no one, I was like, oh, man, that could have been Burrow back there getting tagged like that. So we have to temper our expectations on Cordell Volson. He's a young player. He's a strong player. He's a giant out there. He's got promise, but we can't just say, you know, Jackson Carmen's not working out. Volson's the answer. He's not quite ready yet in pass protection. Hopefully he'll learn from the mistakes in this game, and hopefully in the third game we'll get another look at him. Hopefully he'll see some exotic looks there and get used to some of those stunts. And, you know, those two plays in particular alarmed me in this game and made me think, like, you know, he's not the answer just yet. Hopefully he will be sometime this year. But we have to just we, we you have to be careful. You can't have free blitzers running at Joe Burrow. I mean, he'll probably dodge him like he did last year, but we don't want to risk anything with that franchise quarterback. I think Adenogy had a better game this game than last game, especially in the run game, but he let up a couple pressures again. And, you know, even a couple pressures a game, that adds up. And that hit on Browning where he almost had the concussion, that was Adenogy's guy. So again, I keep thinking, man, that could have been Burrow out there. So we have to figure out what these backup offensive linemen are going to be doing here because if they have to go in, we don't want to see disaster strike. Deontay Smith, my favorite of the young linemen from last year, had a little bit of a rough game as well. I think a little rusty, maybe a little banged up. I think he had a back issue. Had two holding penalties, possibly three. That third one, I wasn't sure if they called on him or Adenogy, but still a lot of penalties there. And he's another one, you know, you're thinking if there's a problem with one of the tackles, he might be the first guy off the bench, and we have to temper our expectations with him as well. I know he played decently against Miles Garrett last year in the last game, but still, you can't have lapses when you're protecting Joe Burrow's blindside. Lamont Galliard got banged up in this game with a calf strain. We'll see how he bounces back. 
But by the fact they were playing him so much, it figures that he's going to make this team as a lineman and he's in their plans. And an underdog on offensive line, I thought Desmond Noel had a really good game. He had a couple pancake blocks. He had a big block on Travion Williams' touchdown. He just looked good. I know he was going against the third and fourth stringers, but still, whoever was in front of him, he seemed to do a good job on. So I hope he continues to develop and finds a spot on this team because we need offensive linemen. And I didn't really see any negatives out of him this game. All right, on to the defense. Defensive line. Now, I'm going to tell you one player who didn't play much, but he low-key had a great game. He had a couple tackles. He had a big stop on fourth down. He had a pressure. And this is all just in a handful of snaps. Joseph Asai. You didn't hear his name much, at least on the New York broadcast. There were no big splash plays where, you know, that were really overly noticeable to the, to the casual viewer. But when I went back and watched the film... He had a great game, and that's great to see out of him. The sky's the limit. We're expecting so much out of him, and it was nice to see him have a very good game. Carter and Gunter, I'm going to use them both in the same breath. Not as flashy as game one, but both high-motor guys, effective. Carter had a couple nice stops in the run game. Gunter had a pressure. He had another batted ball. So excited about the growth of those guys, and they're going to be in this defensive line rotation. So excellent draft picks. Two young players to add to that defensive line mix. Maybe we stop worrying about the three technique if Carter keeps showing up like this. Noah Spence had a couple pressures. He's fighting for a roster spot. He's kind of the forgotten guy. You know, a veteran, you're expecting all the young guys to get the playing time. But I thought he played very well. He took a bad angle on the two-pointer by Webb when, he, when Webb scrambled. But that's okay. I think that he had a good game. And he's someone who deserves to stay in the building in some capacity as well. Tarikas Tisdale got some snaps. Glad to see he was healthy enough to get some snaps. Still very raw. Couple plays that didn't flash too well on tape, but he had a big hit on the quarterback in the fourth quarter. So hopefully he can stack on that and have a great third preseason game. And you know we'll see what happens. And then Raymond Johnson the third, another guy who's kind of an afterthought. I think he's trying to follow in B.J. Hill's footsteps, like a cast-off from the Giants who finds new life in Cincinnati. I'll tell you, this guy was hustling all game. He had three pressures, he had a sack negated by a penalty, and he just showed that he was all over the field. I love when you see a defensive lineman chasing down running backs and wide receivers down the field. You keep playing like this, you're going to make the team as well. And then the opposite of someone who's hustling, unfortunately, Shelvin, Tyler Shelvin, come on, man, fourth-round pick. We're, we're waiting for the light to come on and for you to be a dominant player. He forced a couple double teams in this game, so he was doing his job in that capacity. But there was one play at the goal line where they score a touchdown, and I see him standing to the side. I'm like, wait a minute, you're right in the middle. How'd you get pushed off to the side, and why do you look like you're just standing there? So I don't want to get on him. He's a Bengal. I'm rooting for him. I always say that when I get on people. But Tyler, come on, man. A little more hustle out of you, please. On to the linebackers, Akeem Davis-Gaither. Another one like Osai. Didn't play that much, but he was active when he did play. And I thought he looked good. He had, a, he had a step up from that first preseason game. Again, they don't want to expose him to injury, so you're not going to see him that much in the preseason He's basically that number three linebacker for him, and you're going to see him on passing downs. So stay healthy, stay fast, stay aggressive, keep hustling like you did, and I'm looking for a big season at ADG. 
And then on to Clay Johnston. What a game with 20 tackles. That's amazing. I know some were plays that he let up a pass on, but still, he made the tackle every time. He was all over the field, continues to hustle. Of course, we all remember what he did to Derrick Henry in that playoff game, so we'll never forget you for that. And Clay, you're going to find yourself a place on this roster, 100%. All right, on to the defensive backs, Dax Hill. And what I wrote down on my notes from this were range, range, range. That 4-3 speed is showing up on the field. He's got good instincts. He had that great interception. He had an open field tackle to prevent a first down, one-on-one in space like that. That's great. I'm anxious to see his role when Jesse Bates comes back because he's showing that he can play center field for us and be a free safety. But when Bates comes back, obviously Bates is going to be that guy. And now you have this other guy who's totally capable that you can kind of mix and match and get him all over the field. So this could be a very, very unique defense with him as that third safety. And he's going to get a lot of looks on the field this year. And you have Alan George, another bid. I thought he had a little bit of a rough game last week, but he was in there so much. He's going to make the 53. He had some big hits to jar the ball loose. You know, there's tight coverage is one thing. But even when he's having tight coverage and the guys look like they're going to catch it, he's pounding them, and that ball's coming out. So excellent on his part. Really, Alan George, you're going to see him on the 53. Mike Thomas was excellent from scrimmage. He had the forced fumble in the kicking game. And coming into the season, you have Tyson Anderson drafted, another 4-3 guy, supposed to kind of take Mike Thomas's place. That's not going to happen right now. Mike Thomas is playing too good. And Tyson Anderson is still learning the ropes on being a safety in the NFL. Again, he's probably more of a special teamer for us. But Mike Thomas will be the fourth safety on this team. Jalen Davis was very good in coverage. Solid tackler. He had those two batted balls. Another great game out of him. He's going nowhere either. Another underdog who says, I don't care who you bring in, I'm making this roster. So look for Alan George and Jalen Davis to fill out those last two corner spots. And I'm excited about that. I think they're two quality players that have earned a spot on this team and in this league. And then on to special teams. McPherson was bailing us out in the first half. He had our first nine points, another 50-yarder. There was one chance there for Evan McPherson to have to run someone down, and he looked fast. And I was like, Evan, just get out of there. I don't care if the guy scores. We don't need you getting hurt. But sure enough, he ran the guy down and kind of forced the guy to go near the sideline. Someone else made the tackle. But really good athleticism, really good courage. Just don't want to see too much out of you, please. And Drew Chrisman did the same thing. He made a nice running tackle on a punt return that went awry and looked very athletic as well. As of right now, I'm thinking it's going to be Kevin Huber's job. Hopefully they find a way to keep Chrisman in the building. He's just not quite there yet. But I do think that he will be our punter of the future, just not this year. And the last note on special teams, I think we have the best gunners in football. I mean, there are so many of them. Stanley Morgan is excellent at that position. Mike Thomas is excellent at that position. Michael Thomas, the receiver, is excellent at that position. And Trey Flowers. We have four guys that can be top-notch gunners when a lot of teams are struggling to have one. So very encouraging there. I think our special teams are excellent, and they're going to contribute with our great offense and our great defense. And here we go. I'm ready for another Super Bowl. What about you? McLeavy Minute. All right. We're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, how are you today? Good, Frankie. How you doing, buddy? All right, my friend. It's good to talk to you again. 
Yeah, same, same. Uh, so what are your thoughts on the preseason so far? Well, like you say, we're slowly getting people more up to speed, meaning like Leo Collins and, you know, they're starting to get used to the number one team playing. But watching the game last weekend, there were some disturbing aspects of, especially on the offensive line, our depth. We just got to hope uh, the starters don't get injured. I hear you on that. How are you feeling about the rookies so far? Dax Hill, phenomenal. Uh, he looks like a playmaker. I can't, you know, I, just watching him, like we got, we got lucky that he fell to us because, like against the Giants, I mean, he could play any position on the defensive backfield, cornerback, safety, nickel. I mean, he's always around the ball. He looks real good. The best part of Jesse Bates being out is he's getting more time out out in the field. So, um, Volston is winning the guard spot by default. I don't know. You know, listening to the guys on the radio from Cincinnati, you know, you didn't hear his name mentioned during the game. So, that's a good way to look at it. No holding penalties, no... Uh, no other problems but those other guys it's disturbing with you know the other backup offensive linemen that were out there with the penalties uh the killing it drives not a good look and even um brandon allen you know the numbers on the paper looked okay but i didn't think he he looked good at all is it the fact that if joe burrow goes down we're done anyway but it was good they came out in the second half with the kickoff and they drove down and scored a touchdown. It's preseason, you keep it good with the bad, but that was a negative to, to watch yesterday. Yeah, what do you think? I, I know we, we talked about it prior to going on the air. What do you think they're going to do offensive line-wise? I think they wanted to see what they had, how these guys came back with the second year of their backups. I think they were hoping that Reef would have still been available, but he signed a, a real good deal in the off season, so he's off the market. I was, I just think that with all the signings that they, all the money that they put in the offensive line, somebody that gets cut on the final cuts, you know, there's going to be some big names there, available guys that could come in and be, you know, productive backups. And even Spain's around, so so I'm sure they wanted to see after this game where they stood, and not too good. So I think their eyes will be looking at other rosters. You know, let's move on to some quarterback play. I know that you and I were talking during the Monday night game with Desmond Ritter, how well he was throwing the ball, and you know you have Kenny Pickett over there in Pittsburgh. What's your philosophy on these teams playing some of these younger guys? First off, they're you know they're playing against uh, vanilla defenses, but like like Pittsburgh and Atlanta, they're going to start the the veteran. If they start the veteran, they can always put the rookie in if the veteran falters. If the rookie then starts to falter, they can always say that oh well we didn't want them to start him this soon. We sort of rushed them, so they'll have that out. And if they start him, they start the rookie right away, and he falters and goes to the veteran backup. It doesn't look good 
to bring the rookie back in because he falters for a reason. More likely, the rookie has a better chance to succeed coming off of the bench. All right, last topic for now. In the AFC North, what team are you most worried about us facing? You know, Frank, uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm not a, uh, I'm a, I'm a homer, but I'm a realistic homer. Right now, I don't fear anybody. I'm looking at just the overall top dogs of the AFC period. Kansas City, Buffalo. I'm looking I I feel that we're in the upper echelon. I don't fear anybody in our division. I know <laughs> I you know me, Frank, years past I was always out oh, you know, you don't go on last year's world. But barring injury, especially Joe Burrow getting hurt, I think we're the we're the top of the division in the AFC North. Uh, it took years for me to build up to this, and I am, I'm, I'm standing tall with my uh, decision. That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be a review of the Bengals-Rams game. We're also going to go over some headlines, welcome in some special guests as well, and I'm also going to review the final roster and my predictions heading into the 2022 season. I'd like to thank at Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. And I'd also like to give a shout out to Chris White, a friend of mine from Kentucky who lives right by the stadium. He's a big time Bengals fan. We text all the time and he gives some very interesting observations. Chris, can't wait to have you on the show again, my friend. Thank you for listening to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life. The Unofficial Bengals Podcast.